fast on 75, you'll, you'll miss it. So uh, while traveling south on 75, we have a church that's uh, actually, you can see the church from the interstate, but it's Christ Chapel Unadilla. And it was so good to be here. I'm so thankful that uh, Pastor John has allowed me the privilege to come and share with you. Um, he is the angel of this house. Let's praise God for him. Awesome man of God. Amen. I'm not going to preach very long today, but I believe that um, this message is for, uh, is for you. I really do. Um, maybe for specific people, but when Pastor John um, asked me to minister well over a month ago, um, as I was listening to God, um, I received this. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you have allowed us to assemble in this place. We know that nothing just happens, that those who are here are here um, for a reason, oh God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to minister to your precious people, precious men and precious women, um, your children. Um, thank you, Lord, for, the, uh, for seeing something in me that I, quite frankly, didn't see in myself. Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would uh, bless today, Lord, that you would uh, anoint me afresh as I minister your word, help me to enunciate and articulate your word with clarity um, and understanding, and may the ears of the hearers be sanctified to receive the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read two scriptures, one, uh, the same scripture from the NIV first and from the New Living Translation. I just like those particular verses of scripture, and I'll be coming from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 12 through 13. It reads as follows. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. And now in the New Living Translation. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy. And a deeper revelation of that word is a, means to be joyful and, and, cheer, and have a cheerful countenance or to be glad. There's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. Amen. When God speaks to me, he sometimes uses phrases. He sometimes uses experiences, but most often he uses single words. Uh, he uses single words like love and prayer, uh, listening, uh, forgiveness, temptation, family, faith, and those types of words. And I typically structure sermons from those words. I believe he does this because he understands the way Greg McClendon processes things. And I've learned you have to understand your giftedness and how you do things and God will come to you in that way. So God speaks to me in single words. And as I was listening for him on your behalf, I heard the word happy. And that's how I got my title. 
And the message I believe God wants me to give you this morning is God wants you to be happy. Now, before I begin, uh, I, have, I have something for you to do. I want you to look to the person to your left and to your right with a smile and say, God wants you to be happy. Now, you got to smile. God wants you to be happy. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that being a Christian isn't always easy. Regardless of what people say, being a Christian has challenges. Sometimes some things we deal with are really, really tough. There isn't anything easy when it, becomes, when it comes to being a Christian. Now you must understand, I'm not talking about a Christian who talks a good game, but a Christian who lives the life. A Christian who has committed himself or herself to living for God, to being a servant for the work of God and loving God's people. When you're really committed and strive to, to, to do the right thing, it's tough being a Christian. In most cases, Christians tend to be marked people. People look at you on the street corners and, and, and the stores because they know that Christians tend to be nice, giving people. As a Christian, you need to, uh, to, to learn to have tough skin because people take advantage of you. People take advantage of your kindness. They'll take advantage of your gentleness. They'll take advantage of your spirit of giving. They will manipulate you. They will play silly games on you and with you. They will use you. And when they're done, they'll throw you away like you've never than anything in their lives. They will lie on you. They will abuse you. Uh, that abuse includes physical, mental, and emotional abuse. They will subject you to situations that will try your faith. They will slander your name and not even know you. As a Christian, these things will happen. As a Christian, you will really be taken advantage of. People will mistreat you. They will abandon you. They will look at your Christianity as weakness and attempt to exploit that. You will experience different levels of frustration and different levels of anxiety as a Christian. They will, people will ignore you. They, you will pour your life into someone and they'll just forget what you've done. There'll be times when you wonder how and why people do what they do when you've tried to do the right thing in their lives. People will take advantage of you. They will make you feel bad. And if I can be quite honest with you, this seems to be a trend for all of us who are trying to live right and do right. All of us have been victimized by the hand of some person or persons we were really trying to help. And these per persons took advantage of our kindness and they left whole and left us hurt. We were damaged to some degree. They left stronger and we were weaker. I like what Pastor John said a few years ago at Christ Chapel in Unadilla. He said, when you, when you help people, they'll eat your spaghetti and leave and never say thank you. And I bet each of us in here can testify that someone, some person, that we can perhaps think of right now was the cause of frustration and pain 
in their lives. So people will do a number on you, and I've lived long enough now to know this. I'm not telling you something I think. I know this. But the kicker, despite what people tend to do to you, despite what they've done to you, despite what they're doing right now, despite all the real drama that you'll deal with concerning people, despite the drawbacks and the setbacks and the the heartaches and the manipulation that seems to go along with being a Christian, God wants you to be happy. And I really want you to internalize it this morning. This isn't a profound message, but I believe this message is from the very heart of God. And he really wants you to internalize this and, and get this because for some reason, this revelation is hard, it's a hard thing for Christians to understand. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to smile. He wants you to giggle. He wants you to laugh and enjoy life. God knows that you're on a journey. In fact, he's ultimately responsible for the journey, but he wants you to enjoy the journey. God wants you to be happy. And really, he doesn't get any glory when you're downtrodden and sad all the time. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to smile and have a good time in this life. In James 4.14, the Bible says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a while, for a little time, and then vanishes away. I brought my fog machine from church. We use this for our kids. And I wanted to really, to illustrate what that verse means. And I want you just to see how that vapor, you see it for a while and it just, vanishes away. And God is saying, in the scheme of things, life is short. And he illustrates this, comparing our lives to a vapor, which appears for a brief moment, then is gone. One day you're here, and the next day you're gone. So in the grand scheme of things, we're not here very long. And God is saying, because of this, enjoy life. And I've learned enjoying life isn't something that comes natural. It is intentional. It is something that you have to plan to do. You've got to make plans to enjoy life. I know as Christians, we do a very serious work, and it has eternal consequences. But everything isn't serious all the time. There are times when things are just fun. And God isn't saying be irresponsible, but he's saying along with all your responsibilities, find a place of balance so you can enjoy life. If you play golf, play golf. Sometimes that's frustrating though. But go out and play golf. There there is a time to cry, but there's also a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to dance. And there's some people in here 
who have mourned, but somehow you've missed the dance. And I believe God is saying, I want you to dance again. It's amazing how profound and deep we could be and, and not understand the simple concepts of God. We can understand the significance of the high priest going behind the veil once a year. We can understand the deep significance of all the parables in the synoptic gospels. We can be proficient dissecting all the richness uh, in the precepts and the concept of the word of God. We can, un we can articulate Old Testament and New Testament customs. We can understand um, complex spiritual doctrine. We can know Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek and never come to a simple realization that God simply wants you to be happy. I have a question for you this morning. Why would God say in Matthew 6.25 not to worry? He says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not life, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. God says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about food or drink or what clothes you have or don't have. He says this because if we live a life filled with worry, or wrecked with worry, we cannot be happy. See, worrying counteracts the happiness God wants us to experience. So God wants you to be happy. When we serve the Lord, he wants us to be happy about that. In Psalm 100, verse 2, the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. When we give, he wants us to give in the spirit of happiness. Okay, stop now. I'm, over. I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> when we give, he wants us to give in the spirit of happiness. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when you give, God says, I want you to be cheerful in giving. Be happy when you give because I'm going to bless what you give. So God wants you to be happy. He doesn't get any, any glory when you're unhappy. I want you to think about that for a second. When you are unhappy, God does not get any glory. When you're frustrated and irritated and aggravated all the time, he doesn't get any glory when you're worried and angry and mad. He doesn't get any glory when you're not enjoying life. Where do we get the idea that, when we're, that we're more spiritual if we're gloomy, looking, broke down, and hurt and sad? Where do we get the idea that we're more spiritual when our, our countenance is down and we become withdrawn from people and withdrawn from life? Well, that doesn't please God. I suggest to you that that, that isn't God. If, if that's um, 
that's not God's idea for your life. If that's God's idea, then why would he say what he says in John 10.10? He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's life to the fullest measure. So there's two parts to John 10.10. The the one is the enemy's part and the other is God's part. One part is what the enemy wants for us and the other part is what God wants for us. The devil's purpose is to steal from you, to cause things to die in your life and destroy all that you hope for. But God came. God's purpose is to give you a rich, satisfying fulfilling life. In other words, God wants you to be happy. And I pray that you can receive this today. I want you to say, God wants me to be happy. And just place your hand on yourself. God wants me to be happy. If your feelings weren't important to God, why would he say what he says in Hebrew 14, 5, 14 or 415? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but within all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. So he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It was God's desire to feel what we felt, and he still does that today. So when you're sad, guess what? God's sad. He feels that sadness. When you're discouraged and depressed, he feels that discouragement and feels that depression. When you're fit to be tied, he feels the tension and the anxiety that you're dealing with. I wonder, do some people even have any expectation of experiencing happiness? When do we expect the loving part of God to manifest in our lives? When do we accept the goodwill that God has for us? We see this in the expression of his son. But how about the part of Jeremiah 29, 11 that uh, when God says he has good thoughts towards you, good plans towards us. When you consider this, God isn't some sadistic, uncaring God who sneers and laughs under his breath at our demise. He isn't some apathetic, evil ruler who doesn't even consider those over which he rules. He isn't a God who just stays up there while we're down here. But he is a a loving God, a, a caring God, a God who loves us and a God who lives in us and speaks to us and a God that wants us to be happy. Let me preach, Holy Ghost. In fact, he loves it when we're happy. God loves you and he loves when you're happy. Consider this, consider this for, those, for those of us, of us who have kids. When your children are having a difficult time, As a parent, how does that make you feel? 
It doesn't make you feel good. It makes you feel bad too. When you know that your children are having a hard time, you feel that too. And God's the same way. He's our heavenly father. It doesn't make God feel good when you're not happy. However, on the contrary, as a parent, when, you, when your children are happy, God's happy. And when you're happy, God is happy. So God wants you to be happy. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy each other. He wants us to enjoy intimacy in marriage and appropriate intimacy in friendship. He wants us to enjoy our marriages. He wants us to enjoy family. He wants us to enjoy grandchildren. I have grandchildren and they are absolutely amazing. I was always told that your grandchildren have some kind of weird power over you. And they really do. In January, I went to Virginia to see my, my, my grandkids and we went to the park, park and I'm 52 years old now. And uh, when I'm around them, for some reason, that, 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 that leaves my mind. But we went to the park and my, and my granddaughters uh, were swinging on a swing. So I decided to swing with them. And they were swinging pretty high and of course, grandpa wanted to impress them. So I swung high too. And for some reason, I got the idea that I wanted to impress my granddaughters. So I swung high and I got higher and higher. And I got the, and I got the idea of jumping off the swing in midair. And as I was doing like this, going through midair, I landed on my feet, but I felt kind of weird. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> but God wants you to enjoy your grandchildren, to go on vacations, mini vacations and long vacations, like Pastor John. <laughs> Sorry. God wants you to see the world to have good friends and have intriguing conversations, to sit down to a good book, to watch a good movie, to eat a good meal, to share fond memories and just enjoy life. He wants you to own pets, cats and dogs, turtles and frogs, whatever your preference is. God wants you to enjoy life. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to enjoy life. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians don't. You would be amazed of the number of Christians that don't enjoy their lives. There's so, so many Christians in this world that are unhappy. Unhappy in their spousal relationships. Unhappy on their jobs. Unhappy with themselves, which hurts their self-esteem. Unhappy with their life situations, unhappy because of family issues. There are many people who have been treated so poorly for so long that they don't expect anything else. There are some people in this world who have been unhappy for so long 
that they don't even expect to be happy. And please hear this today. And if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Despite what you believe, you can be happy. And I might add that you don't deserve to be happy because of you, but you deserve to be happy because that's God's will for you. Isn't that a blessing? Glory. That's God's will for me to be happy. And that doesn't mean that, that, that life will, will be a bed of roses, but it does mean that there'll be segments and times in my life when I can laugh and smile and have fun and, and, and enjoy life. In Ecclesiastes 13, or, or 3, verses 12 and, and 13, I'm going to read this again. I'm going to emphasize a certain part. It says, so I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. Check this out. The revelation that you have to receive is this today. Happiness, food, and things that sustain your life are all gifts from God. Yeah, yeah. Happiness is a, is a wonderful gift from God. It is a, a blessing to live a happy life. God wants you to enjoy life while you're here on this earth and be happy. He wants us to live joyfully, to, to see good days, and enjoy the rewards of our labor. Abraham Lincoln stated, and I quote, people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Very interesting. Centuries before Lincoln, the Roman emperor Marcus Antonius said, no man is happy who does not think himself so. An English journalist said it best. He said, it is not the place nor the condition, but the mind alone that can, play, uh, that, that can make anyone happy or miserable. So if you listen to all, all those things, all these great men essentially tell us that happiness is in your mind. You have to make up your mind to be happy. When you are, when you are, uh, when, when you are a child of God and even when things aren't going well, you can still be happy. Because somehow, some way, God's going to work it out. The Word of God says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. To be happy, you have to believe that you can be happy. You have to make up your mind to be happy. Now, I want to leave three points with you about being happy. And then I'll take my seat. I told you I wasn't, wasn't going to preach very long. This is point one. Your happiness should not be solely based upon people. Your happiness should not be solely based upon people. And this is important. People can change on you. People come and go. People change their alliances. People are hot and cold. One day they love you, the next day they hate you. I've seen many, many relationships with it because sometimes 
People change. People come and go. Over the years as a pastor, I've seen many, many people come and go, some of which were very close to me, and it really hurt me. But it taught me that, uh, taught me not to be, not, not to d- depend solely on people. People change, but the good thing is God doesn't change. Glory. So your happiness should never be solely based upon people. It should be based upon God. And listen to this. In the process of building your character, God will bring people in and out of your life so you can, dep- so you can learn to depend on him and not them. And it will look like and feel like they're hurting you, but it's actually God teaching you. Yeah, yeah. So God will allow people to come and go in your life. God will allow people to come in your life and actually betray you. However, the betrayal is meant to push you and force you into another realm of his glory. Now, you may not agree with this, and I want to give this to you for your own consideration. I believe Judas was the most important disciple in Jesus' life. Had it not been for Judas, Jesus may not have gotten to the cross. So your happiness cannot depend solely upon people. It has to depend upon God. Point number two. Your happiness has everything to do with God. Everything. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord, in the Lord, with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is a man whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So your happiness has everything to do with God. Trust God to bring happiness into your life. Trust God to change the season that you're in if it's a bad one. Trust God to help you get rid of the bad stuff in your life and replace it with good stuff. So your happiness has everything to do with God. Trust in the reassurance that God gives, knowing that he has good plans towards you. He has plans to give you hope and a bright future. On December 27th of last year, God spoke to me and told me that this year, 2013, was going to be a a great year for me. And I believe that. And I've been declaring that all year by faith. And I want to say this to you. If your year didn't start well, know that how it started does not dictate how it will finish. Yeah. God wants you to be happy. When your happiness depends upon God, he'll bring people in your life that will, that will allow you to experience happiness in certain degrees. I believe one of the greatest moves that I've seen God do is when he, what he did in the life of your pastor. When I met Pastor John, God allowed me to see him totally restored from a sad, deeply hurt, seemingly defeated man to a blessed, happy man with twins. Glory. 
Glory! 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 So when you put God first, glory, you'll experience the happiness that only God can give you. And that's an awesome happiness. Give God a praise. Glory! God will restore you. Glory to God. Matthew, Matthew 6, 13, 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things include the happiness that God can bring. So your happiness has everything to do with God. This is the third and final point, and this is my favorite one. Your happiness is in front of you not behind you. It's in front of you, not behind you. Your life isn't over. And I don't know who God is speaking to this morning, but your life isn't over. Things will get better. You will not remain in the season that you're in. Hear the Lord today. You're not perpetually stuck in a rut. You shall live and not die. Glory. Your happiness is in front of you, not behind you. And this is what the Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind me, but reaching forth to what's before me. You can't grasp the happiness in front of you if you're hanging on to the frustration that's behind you. My Lord. So let God be God. Shout with the voice of triumph. Believe you can be happy. Trust that God wants you to be happy. Glory to God. Know that God wants you to be happy. Know that God wants you to smile again and laugh again and smile again and dance again. Glory. Glory. I feel this thing, y'all. Glory. Mm. Glory. Glory. I'd like the, the ministry of music to come up now. So smile. Laugh again. Know that that's God's expectation for you. Know that he's a, a loving parent who watches his kids very carefully and wants them to smile and experience life to the fullest measure until it overflows. Know that he has good plans for you, plans for hope and a bright future. I'm going to read the scripture and I just believe that there are some people that God knew needed to hear this today. And I want you to really internalize this scripture. Then I'm going to pray over you. Look what he says in Matthew 7, 11. Look, look what God is saying. If you 
though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more glory? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Well, Lord, I want to be happy again. And that's not too much to ask God. God will give you the gift of happiness. Glory. I don't know who God is speaking to. I don't know. I just do what he tells me to do. I just believe he's speaking to somebody. And if God is speaking to you, and you don't mind coming to the altar, I'd love to pray over you. I believe God is smiling right now. I believe that. He knows what you're going through. He can feel the weight. You don't carry that weight by yourself. He feels it. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. When you cry, he cries. He counts the tears. And he wants you to be happy. To laugh. To be overcome with laughter and not worried about what tomorrow brings, but to trust Him that much. Oh, God. You are so precious to God. If you got a revelation of how precious to God you are, you feel better about yourself. You are precious to God. You are his favorite son or his favorite daughter. And I want you to consider how God watches you. Like the father of the prodigal son who watched just as to make sure his son would eventually come home, longing to see his son. Well, God longs to see you smile again and laugh in your spirit, man. Glory to God. Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, I know that trials and troubles tend to be our best teachers, our best teachers. And you allow certain things in our lives 
to make us like you. I know that. We know that. But I also know that your love for us is unconditional. I know that you want the very best for us, the very best. And you want us to be happy. I pray for those who may have become disillusioned by a season of despair and ask that you would smile on them. That you would rain on the parched places in their lives and allow flowers to bloom again. I pray that you would turn their sadness into gladness and their trials into triumphs. And most importantly, that they would know you want them to be happy. That they would know you want them to be happy and to smile and to giggle and to laugh. I pray over your precious people today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that loved God, say amen. Amen. We're going to ask the praise ministry to come back and close out, please. Just another encouragement to let you know that God is with us. God is with you. God is speaking over you. You don't have to be overwhelmed. I love the message today about being happy, knowing the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then all we have to do is to look to Him. If everybody would stand, let's just worship Him together. Let's close out together. God, I look to you, Charles. You can put the words up there. on you. We look to you, Lord, for strength. You are our hope, our shield. Oh, and we worship you, Lord. We sing together. God, I look to you.
Rebecca has asked that you come and pick up your, your kids on this side. There's a lot going on over there. They're having the spaghetti luncheon.